0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, a classic matchup involving a classic situation of the teacher and the pupil in a most important matchup, Larry Zbysko versus Bruno Martino Introducing in the corner to my left from Pittsburgh. Uh, for quite a while. Going for the scoop. He has him up. Nice whenever over by best and a slap. Down for the cover. Two. About one and a half, actually. And Sammartino retaliating. Zubisco <laughs> appears to be a bit on the flustered side. Sammartino, of course, with the... Uh, the experience advantage. And now Zabisco to the rope, down goes San Martino. Zabisco really pulled him over, stepping over now, coming back from the far side, into a bear hug. But San Martino released the bear hug. And I don't think uh, Zabisco appreciated that maneuver. San Martino had Zavisco in the bear hook, off the ropes, and either Zabisco broke the hold, but it appeared as though, again, San Martino released it. Bruno trying to find an escape. Oh my! That's just uh, maneuverability there on the part of San Martino. Quick skills, no fancy maneuvers, but that comes from years of experience. And San Martino holds the rope open for Zabisco to look. Put... Uh oh! Look out! Zabisco, going to work on San Martino. Zabisco, sending San Martino to the bottom. Down to the canvas. Zabisco on the outside now. Zabisco has a chair. Larry Zabisco has a chair. Sends a referee flying out goes striking Sammartino. San Martino. Can he really let him have it? Oh no. The blood pouring. San Martino cut wide open. San Mar- again. San Martino pleading profusely. Bleeding profusely. San Martino up now. And he comes right after San Let's go yelling at San Martino. The Pro-Wrestling Reflection possess. Pro Wrestling's greatest rivalries. Your host, the professor, Bello Veracruz, Tommy Wonder, and JB,
1: we revisit the greatest grudge matches of all time. what is going on there? Magnificent seven, elite eight, the naughty nine, the terrific ten, the essential eleven, the totally tubular twelve, and the thirsty thirteen. I don't know where we're gonna go with the fourteen, but maybe fat ass fourteen. Maybe a what kind of fourteen? Fabulous fourteen. Are we gonna go with the fornicating fourteen? I don't know what we're we gonna call fourteen. Tw. What did I call? Thirsty thirteen? Yeah. Uh, it's a filthy fourteen, man. Without the P. Okay. I'll just see see I made you think. See you was look see you always look down when you look when you're eBaying and you're doing everything and then I, I made you miss
0: Instagramming.
1: Yeah, and you're Instagramming and, and uh tindering and whatever, and then I made, and I did a misspelling of a word and just wanted to see if he was paying attention, but either way, the filthy 14, that's a good one too, but welcome everybody, welcome to the PWR Podcast, here at the PWR Networks at pibeam.com, and we are also, shoutouts to our man down under in Australia, Jimmy T, this is also available on the PWC That's the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network at PowerBeam.com. So shout-outs to Jimmy T. And Jimmy, just remember, we made this agreement. The professor wants to know, you know, when we're going to get at least one episode, maybe a month on the Rational Radio Network. But, you know, just you know, we're negotiating, Jimmy. That's OK. You know, we're, we're collective bargaining agreements here and there. So I know we're negotiating, renegotiating there, all that stuff. So shout outs to Jimmy T. Shout outs to Chris Hambones. Shout outs to Kevin Panetta from the PwC. Where you will hear... The PwC Wednesday night skirmish exclusively here on the PwC Network at Podmeme.com. So shoutouts to Jimmy T and the crew over there. But anyway, yes, NXT for life. I don't know if it's NXT for life anymore because they call it an NXT 2.0, but neither here nor there. But I am that man. I am that scholarly man. I am that luxurious man. But most importantly, I'm that glorious man. The quote-unquote only objective man in the IWCYWC. the quote-unquote only objective man in this political punditry, the only objective man in this PowerBeam podcasting streams, your friend and mine, the Professor Chabelle Cruz. And you know what? For this week, Reflection Nights, we are going back to doing some rivalries here. Some of the greatest rivalries in the history of professional wrestling. And this one's a little bit tricky because, you know, for maybe the the 18 to 34 demographic, when when you look at rivalries, you probably think of boot sets. But this rivalry is more on the cusp of storylines. This storyline is more on the cuffs of emotion. This storyline is more on the cuffs of, of engaging investment emotions. But well, we'll talk about that in a second but I gotta introduce my main man. My brother from another mother. The man from Detroit Michigan. The man who has the iron stomach. The man from the Dumb Dumb Duos. Your friend of mine the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, and vice versa, Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Strong, a.k.a. The Tommy Wanda. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing good, considering 24 hours ago, I did another challenge, and this one, actually, I, the
2: Dumb Dumb do on the Idiot video, I actually am pretty impressed with Matt's editing skills, because I had to record it from here, mm-hmm. every wall, the corner behind me, um, I recorded it from here. I had to eat three McDonald's hamburgers and then drink a 20 ounce soda afterwards, and I couldn't drink the soda until I ate the burgers first, and uh, it made a difference. And so I didn't want to know what the record time was, Um, and Mm -hmm. for a minute, I did set the record. But anyways, as I do this, to point, you know how you turn the thing off? Yeah. As I did this, their video starts with his hand coming back from him doing his. Because I said, back to you, dumb, dumb duo. And then it goes back to him. It's, it was actually really well done for him. It's, he used some app to do it. Something, something sharer or something. I don't know. It was, it, was. An ed- it was an editing miracle.
1: That's how it is, yes.
2: right? But I'm also stoked because I, I found this at the store. I might have mentioned it last week. But I have gotten pretty good at opening packages. Because my Canadian buddy is an opener when he mm-hmm. collects toys. So when he sends stuff here, I open it up, throw it in Ziploc baggies because of all the loose parts. So I've gotten pretty good at opening packages and being able to close them back up. So this figure normally would be wearing clothes portraying him as a referee. And this is this guy is on the outside of my Mount Rushmore looking in. There's 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 three guys or four guys on the outside of my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, four. You know what my Mount Rushmore is. Mm-hmm. Sean and Brett. Right. It's going to be right here. We'll be Warrior and Sting. That's my Mount Rushmore. And mm-hmm. then just on the outside, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Macho Man Randy Savage, and this guy. And I know a lot of people think this guy sucks, but I don't care. This dude had it. And this is, to me, the best figure of this guy because I opened it up and took the stupid clothes off of them. Red Rooster? Rooster?
1: You got the Red Rooster? I got the Red Rooster up there. No, on your Mount red. Rushmore. Is this the Mount Rushmore? No, 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 no. Oh, Sid Vicious. But they got him as a damn
2: referee. So. But look at that red singlet. That's more Four Horsemen, Sid, but that is the best Sid Justice
1: mm-hmm. figure
2: ever. The other one... The, is Psych- the, re- the, re-
1: the red singlet is from 1990. I actually can remember that. That was from the WCW. W? That was the, WCW, the, the that was a little bit before the four horsemen and then they kinda of filter in with the four horsemen that he was wearing the, that red singlet there. Because he was, wore a
2: black singlet with the horseman more often. Yeah. That figure. Mm-hmm. I have four Sid Vicious figures
1: and only two Lex Lugers. Three who can- Lugers. <clears throat> three. And a no, who's count. counting? Nope, but no, uh five. Five Okay. How I say? Which one's more valuable? Narcissist. Basic, mm-hmm.
2: WCW, Galoob, Hasbro is probably the most expensive, or whatever. And then the Funko Pop. Mm-hmm. So four, four Lugers. Oh, no. I got a Luger out there. The WCW fake LGN ones. I got a Luger out there.
1: And I only so, have, <laughs> do I? oh, I got a Sid Mrs. Jax figure. I got lots of Sids. See, reflection. This is what happens when you. Mr. Perfect. You need to hire somebody to do inventory so they can write it all down for you. So this way you can look on your notes and say, I got X amount of Lex Luger, X amount of Sid Vicious, X amount of Johnny Gargano, X amount of stings and all that stuff. Because you're actually looking around, looking like Stevie Wonder right now. All I just need you is to have the glasses Who, who's on. Who's not blind,
2: so he would look around and everything. Yeah. Put that on your conspiracy theory, Billy Ray.
1: There, there you go. not
2: blind, ask Anthony Anderson.
1: There you go. Well, you know, that's another show for another day. But anyway, Reflection Nights, welcome to the PWR Podcast here at the PWR Synagogy dot com, And welcome to the PWR Pro Wrestling Rivalries here. So I forget what number we're on, what episode we're on, because we haven't done a rivalry since Sgt. Slaughter and Iron Sheik TW. So, you know, we're going back to 1980. T.W., we're going back to the Worldwide Wrestling Federation before it kind of morphed into World Wrestling Federation. But anyway, we're going to do, I don't know, I don't want to call it an untapped potential rivalry because it had meaning. It, It had a legacy, T.W., because this rivalry actually, you know, put this man on the wrestling map so to speak. This man's legacy started with having a rivalry with this particular individual. So we're going to talk about the living legend before he was called the living legend, Larry Sabisco going one-on-one with Bruno San Martino TW. So, you know, as anybody, like I said, for the demographics, you know, the AEW demographic martyrs out there, you know, they only look at the movesets from the 80s. You know, the Ricky Steamboats, the Tiger Mask, the Dynamite Kids. Uh, you know, we, we could talk spot about the, Jer- the Spot Monkeys. We could talk about Jericho. <laughs> we could talk about Dean Malego, Eddie Guerrero. We could talk about even RVD. You know, a reflection at RVD. But anyway, neither here nor there. <laughs> this this rivalry is not in match per se. Each match was not a five-star classic. But the storyline, in my humble opinion, is worth five stars. What's the ETW about that sentiment?
2: I'm going to tell you a couple things. things. Um, one of the matches we watched to, to prepare for this is the Shea Stadium one, which isn't that the one where Stan Hansen broke Rick Marteau's neck or
1: did he break Bruno's neck at Shea Stadium? No, he, he broke Bruno's neck in Madison Square Garden in 77. Oh, was a rematch at Shea? No, the, no. That was the that was the payoff. Uh, that was the penultimate between San Martino and, and Sabisco at the but, Showdown. They, at they Shea. Shea
2: more than once, right?
1: Yeah, of course.
2: So, so this is obviously pre-WrestleMania, pre-Starcade. Um, it's unbelievable to me how loud Shea Stadium is for this—the one of the matches we watched, right? Mm-hmm. Because okay. there's almost no one on the field. The fans mm-hmm. are in the stands like baseball. And then, uh-huh. like, right in front of the ring. So the other side of the ring is just open field. And we, we both know, we've talked about it before, the sound carries out of a baseball stadium or open-roof uh, football stadium, whereas an indoor one, it reverbs back and forth. Sometimes if it's really big like Silverdome, it still stays gone, too. But
1: uh-huh.
2: what these two guys did was, A, they worked, right? It, it isn't. Although, the second match... Bruno put on a clinic in the beginning. There was, there was some Ricky Steamboat stuff going on in that one. But mm-hmm. here's what I like about it. I jokingly said to this girl, if you ever have a hard time falling asleep, watch a professional wrestling match from 1980. I go, you will be out cold. I just said this hours ago. So, But, A, this felt real. B, watching the highlights of the Shea Stadium I remember seeing stuff like this on ABC worldwide on Sunday, like when they just it was a different sport every week. It would be hockey mm-hmm. one week, like Russia versus Canada. The next week would be a boxing match. I watched a lot of Tommy Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard on ABC when I was a kid. Marvin you mean Hagrid. you mean you mean those
1: wide world of sports segments that they did no, 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 every no. Saturday?
2: Sunday afternoon was just
1: sports on Sunday on ABC. Okay. And
2: and Wild World of <coughs> Sports was part of that, but I'm saying it would be an all-day booty affair. It wasn't like mm-hmm. every week was football. It wasn't every week was baseball. I don't even know if baseball was ever a part of it. I think it was its counter-programming to baseball because it mm-hmm. would put on curling. It would, just, it would just be random sports. That's why they call right. it the wild world of sports. It would stuff from all over the place. And gotcha. And, and in the match that we watched, it kept having little updates saying, this match was recorded without commentary live. So mm-hmm. that's why they had to explain to the viewing audience, that's why there's no one talking, which P.S. makes it harder to watch. But it looked real. What they did was real. I'm I'm, I'm actually the second match is the match where he put on the clinic. The third one, there's no clinic. The Because the, there's the first one, the second one, the third mm-hmm. the trilogy. I'm sure there were others. The Shea Stadium one was the cage. The, the one before the MSG, he put on a clinic because the storyline. And, and it was actually a pretty good storyline. And I think we make fun of Martel. We made fun of, of a lot of guys for not being able to do promos. I think Bruno's promo for him and Zimbisco, Zimbisco's was cool too. He actually showed emotion like, hey, I asked Bruno to wrestle. He said no, so I'm done. I can't just be second fiddle. Uh, mm-hmm. And Bruno's response a week later was, or actually was response to that, but was, it was asked a week to. Hold, hold,
1: up, hold up, hold up. Okay, hold, hold up before we, we talk about a little bit, because that's, very, very part of, that's an important part of what I'm trying to say, how important this rivalry is. Not from a match quality standpoint, but from an emotional storyline standpoint. So, before we get into that, TW, let's just talk about, you know, Bruno Martino and Larry Sabisco. Let's go with uh, Larry Sabisco first, because during this time in 1980, you know, he is... You know, he's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's how he was booked in, in Worldwide Wrestling Federation, and Vince McMahon has talked about that. But he was also booked as maybe sort of a prodigy, quote-unquote, the next coming of age, because when once you're from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that is the hometown of the living legend Bruno San Martino. So you already got massive amounts of shoes to fill on that standpoint. So in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation TW, he wasn't like a – a heavyweight champion because he never had that WWF heavyweight champion. He wasn't even an Intercontinental champion. But the stigma of having that, and before you talk about that promo again, the stigma of of lit of the shadow that's cast so big on Bruno Sammartino. How does that, you know, resonate with the? Wrestling audience, give that perspective right there because that's a lot. That's that's part of the storyline there. Because if you follow Larry Sabisco before we even get to these trilogies that we're going to talk about, this this means something more in this rivalries edition. He so at this point, Bruno's not champ anymore, right? No,
2: Backlund's champ.
1: He, he he's part time. You could t- you could call Bruno the Brock Lesnar of the '80s because Bach yeah. Backlund. Look, is, he looks
2: pretty rough too, man. That hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But Larry, Larry like. I'm not a big Larry guy. I think I've said that on here before. He always came across as condescending and mm-hmm. and I believe him leaving the World Wrestling Federation to go to AWA was very CM Punkish because of what you just said. He he legit thought he should be some kind of champion and and left to go there
1: and mm-hmm. uh, where he would be used. Well, I I I, don't, I, don't I, don't, hears, I understand what you're saying, but I can't confirm nor deny that. I think no, it's no, just no, the no, business, no, I, I, but the territories give you better
2: Bad. Right, mm-hmm.
1: I feel like his
2: Hall of Fame speech gets mocked by many people. But mm-hmm. that dude, wherever he is today, he's still a little kid, man. And that story of him walking by and seeing Bruno San Martino and building up the courage to go talk to him, to ask him how to be a wrestler, and Bruno giving him advice. I don't know if all that was talked about back in 1980. I know they talk about in the promos that Bruno is his teacher and they do the old cliche. I taught you everything I know, but not everything. I mean, everything, you know, but not everything I know. Um, Larry's getting frustrated because he can't be second fiddle. to so Bruno. And so it actually makes it better that it wasn't for the title. It was literally just because he felt like no one's ever going to take me serious unless I beat Bruno because I'm Bruno's student. Um, mm-hmm. And, and Larry's in Bisco to quote Ric Flair, with a tear in my eye, did that promo. Like he, People bought it, and he was a baby face, and he didn't really turn heel until he finally got his way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had heard about a lot of this stuff, but until I watched the stuff in the order that you had me watch it in, I had never seen it. And, mm-hmm. again, full disclosure, as a wrestling fan now for 40 years or 35, whatever it's been, I appreciate older stuff. I hated country music my whole life. And then in 93, thanks to Kurt Cobain, I hated rock radio. So I had to learn new fucking stuff, and that was country. And I like old country now for two reasons. One, now that I've listened to country for the last 20-something years, that stuff's a little bit easier to listen to, even though it's more twangy and all that. But also, it's memories. Because you know as well as I do as a kid, we know songs we have no business knowing. Because back when we were a kid, the radio would play everything. It would play Teddy Mm -hmm. Pendergrass and then George Strait and then Eddie Money and then Back to the Carpenters or whatever, because radio wasn't segregated, for lack of a better term, by genre um, back when we were kids. Or just wherever you went, pop music wasn't a specific thing like now where it's all auto-tune. It was whatever was popular. And so with this, I can go back and watch this and appreciate it for what it is. But had I watched this match in 1980... Had this been the first thing I've seen in wrestling, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast now because I don't think I would have been into professional wrestling. Granted, you, I would have been seven years old, but, or six even, depending on when this happened. But um, it's you, a you,
1: watch. You, you, you would have got your baseball gloves or you would have got your hockey mask. You'd be like, nah, I don't, I don't need this match anyway. But again, that's a good sentiment about Larry Sabisco and where he was in 1980. Yes, he was a prodigy from Pittsburgh. The shadow was so big that he had to eclipse the living legend of WWF Bruno San Martino. And, you know, by the time 1980 comes, he is part-time TW. He is, you know, the color commentator for Vince McMahon on, you know, on WWF Wrestling on Saturdays at the the Pennsylvania Armory, where they kind of, like, take those weekly shows. So I'm trying to give you some feedback here. And you know while bob backlin was champ- you know this, the 70s was a funny thing because you know i kind of equate bruno tw and, and try to follow this analogy like don king you know sucked the life up. well that too but he <laughs> but like don king sucked the life out of muhammad ali he just used and abused him you know when you needed that gate when you needed the money when you needed the draw what did Don King do? You know, Thriller Manila and, and the Rumble in the Jungle and all that stuff, making Muhammad Ali, you know, his brain like into Swiss cheese, you know, and cottage cheese. I mean, but that's what Stremble. Vince. Mc- right, but. Vince McMahon Sr., not Jr., Sr. depended so much on Bruno San Martino from the 60s. You know, remember, he had that eight-year first run. He had a four-year second run. So he had twelve, almost 12 years combined with his two runs as WWF champion. And, of course, sold out Madison Square Garden almost 100 straight times. More than Billy Joe, more than Jay-Z, more than Mark Anthony, more than anybody – Bruno is the man that set the record of selling out Madison Square Garden. I don't know if it's been eclipsed, TW, but he's one I of think the I
2: man- broke it. Uh,
1: no, uh, they, no, they, Austin they, wouldn't
2: have been around for. A remember, remember, they did more frequently. I yeah, mean, they were Austin more. Austin made more money. He drew more ma- money at Madison Square yeah, yeah, Garden. maybe like he drew play. more money,
1: but uh, Bruno when Bruno was on the ticket and and WWF had Madison Square Garden shows every month, he sold it out. So it was like a hundred straight times. So you could see what I want to say ma-
2: Hogan might have cuz I know I know Austin broke one of Hogan's MSG records.
1: I thought mm-hmm. it was attendance, but it could be did they add seats to it? They could add seats. Master Square Garden kind of like changed location twice and there was renovation.
2: renovated. So yeah. I think that's what it is. Like yeah. seats. Austin but it, Whatever. but the log- yeah, I, I
1: understand it yeah the logistics Bruno's is dead. Bruno key asses are in the seats asses are in the seats and Mac, and the McMahon's one on 63 63. yeah 63 and to so 70. This
2: is 17 years later
1: mm-hmm. he's at the Madison Square Garden the place yeah. he's on bananas so you get the synopsis there so he's been dependable you know he's on TV so you know he has that connection with the Italian community in the northeast area TW. You know, he even says, "I sell out the Garden. I sell out MSG. I sell out the Boston Garden. I sold out, you know, the Capital Center in Washington. I sold out the Baltimore Arena. He did that. He 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 controlled the Northeast territory. So now we get to 1980, where he is color. He's the color co- commentator. Let's talk about that first. The first promo, Larry Sabisco. You even said it was on the verge of tears because for some. It just kind of like everything came at him. The, the emotions came over him because it was almost like, wh- what would you equate it to? Frustration or just I need to know? Which way is it? Because you look in the business like, you know, sometimes when you, you're working at a job, you know, they didn't make me manager. They didn't promote me. Would you, would you be on the verge of tears or you'd be pissed off and like, I got to quit this job. That's, that's the way it looked to me like with Larry Sabisco it was
2: good selling it was frustration it was bruno won't let me fight him and then what bruno did i think in 2020 wonder not for for uh censorship reasons but i don't think you could do this angle in 2020 wonder because i think the iwc ywc would destroy it and call them pussies and call them everything else when Mm -hmm. the reality is it's a good storyline and and it's big brother little brother it's it's the little brother wants to beat the big brother to show everybody else. He's not the little brother, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm a little brother. I used to want to whip my brother's ass. I never could. Um, mm-hmm. one time I can, re- I can relate. Fell. one time I tripped him and he fell in front of all his friends and he turned red. And that's my only win. Cause I ran after that and that's my only win. But you know, and, and my little brother tried beating me and he's old for forever. And I whooped his ass every time. And, um, I think, I think so when I'm watching this promo I'm thinking Bruno's champion and he wants a title shot and it's more like Macho Man Hogan where as long as Macho Man's champion Hogan can't get a shot cuz they're boys so now Hogan can get a shot cuz they didn't do that angle but you know what I mean mm-hmm. like when yeah. like Adam Cole is not going to get a shot at Kenny Omega unless there's a turn cuz he's Omega's guy so he's going to be his fixer if you will so this is what I thought was going on but really it's even bigger than that it's pride And Mm -hmm. he wants to take on the big brother and show him that I've learned everything you've taught me, and then I've learned more, and I'm ready to
1: take you on and prove it,
2: and Bruno wants no
1: part of it. Yeah, Bruno wants no part of it. Now, you said 2020 wonder. To me, like, you look at it from the 1980 promo that he did here. He tried to give all the respect and adulation to Larry Sabisco. He said he's the future. You know, he had that kind of attitude. You're the future. You're a future champion. You're a future star here in the professional wrestling business. I think he was, but it would come off to to a lot of people, if you really looked at the promos of Reflection Night's, He came off as a prick. He came off as a dick. Like, he would not give him that. uh, He didn't want to give him that opportunity. And then when he he was, like, pressured into succumbing to that opportunity, he was like, I'm not going to give you, you know, any uh, aggression. I'm not going to give you any defense. He just said, I'm just going to. You got to beat me. I don't have to beat you because it was all like, I don't have nothing to prove here. I have. I gain nothing from doing anything to you, Larry Sabisco. You got to do everything to me. And that's. And. To me, today's standards of wrestling fandom, it came off it it came off as a dick. But at that point I think people understood where he was coming from. Like, why should I embarrass you? Yeah, I don't want to embarrass you. I want you to succeed. I want you to thrive. I took
2: it differently than that. I, I took it as he had no he wanted no part in hurting his friend. Mm-hmm. Like he did he like he didn't it wasn't that I will beat you. It's that I don't even want to know if I can beat you because I don't want to lay hands on you. And mm-hmm. so I think it was protecting him, but also a little bit what you're saying, because that's where it led to, was, oh, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> you want some of this? And then he told him, uh-huh, you're going to see what I didn't teach you. So it, it, it did turn into that. But the first one, it felt <laughs> heartfelt. And, he, and Bruno even said, you know, he had he's, he's had these feelings for a while that I knew nothing about, and he told me him Like, it was news to him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he was bummed out about it. And so I think it was more of the friendship, he felt this wasn't like Brett and Owen. It's really Brett and Owen. Brett
1: mm-hmm.
2: does not want to wrestle Owen. He has no desire to. There's no, there's no, nothing good comes out of me beating you. Um, nothing ever comes good out of me losing to you. So it's a lose-lose for Brett. And in Bruno's mind, it's a lose-lose for him.
1: Absolutely. I, I kind of agree with that sentiment you're going to. So let's talk about the first match here in the Greatest Rivalries edition of the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. We're going to go back to the late January 1980, early February 1980. This was on, well, it's not Superstars of Wrestling T.W., but this was on the Saturday evening show that they do at the Armory in Pennsylvania. I think uh, Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was Larry Sabisco against... Bruno Sammartino, and this match lasted about 15 minutes. And and for this first match, T.W., like you said, Bruno did not do anything. It was all Larry Sabisco here. He had to take him down. He had to do all the aggressive. He had to be all aggressive. It was Greco-Roman kind of wrestling here and there. But then something happened, T.W., at the end of the first match. It frustrated Larry Sabisco to the point. That he threw, he got so aggressive, threw him out of the ring, got a chair, and beat the snot out of the living legend Bruno Martino. and hence we begin a rivalry between Larry Sabisco and Bruno Martino. And you look at it, T.W. From this standpoint here, this was a Saturday show. This is not a pay per view. This is not Saturday Night's main event. This ain't this ain't a big thing, but for this Saturday show wwf sometimes you know let, let me go in a different direction tw and you'll understand what i'm saying all the storylines are told in the south on a weekly basis on saturdays whether it's an interview or a spot in the ring or a spot you know at the interview by the locker room all the storylines are generated from southern wrestling territories this match for the north for the for the northeast for the East Coast, this was this felt a little bit Southern wrestling. Maybe I'm, I'm taking it too far there, but what say UTW from this particular first match? What do you mean Southern because it has
2: a story and it's not yeah. just like two guys. It's not, a, it, it?
1: it's not a blow-off yet.
2: Yeah, I, I guess, but I mean, I don't think anybody up North knew what
1: was going on down South. This is way before Cable. So if you're not buying the magazines, how do you know? No, no, no. We're not talking about like Eastern. You know, we're not talking about the fandom. We're just talking about like we've 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 known this for forty years. You're a forty oh, year right. fan. I'm a forty year right. fan. It's out
2: of their their, their out, wheelhouse. They're doing right. more of a, a southern uh, right angle.
1: They're doing an mm-hmm. angle. They're
2: not they're right. Not just championship fighters, prize fighters, or whatever. Right, right. That's um,
1: That's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, but I, I mean, I didn't really think about that at all because. As long as I've been watching wrestling, they've been doing that. And Jimmy Snooker getting hit in the head with a coconut, and he wants revenge on Piper. Um, Macho Man taking the or the ring bell to Ricky Seamolt's throat. Um, Ricky Morton getting his face smacked on the ground by the four horsemen and dragged across. He's out. He comes back it's stink you know but, everything's but, always but but those but are the all fu-
1: southern yeah no no but but number one those are southern but number two that's way ahead past what this this 1980 no, no, that's sure. what i'm just saying that's mm-hmm. what i'm saying
2: i really don't remember 1980 because i didn't watch it instead start watching 285 right. but yeah mm-hmm. i i guess then it's a ahead of its time for for wwe mm-hmm. um but it's captivating and it worked because that's Cage match in Shea Stadium is
1: oh, it's, we'll it's, get to it.
2: It's insane how loud it is.
1: We'll get to that, but let's talk about this first quote unquote exhibition match. Like Bruno, like you said, Bruno did not want to do anything. And in terms of a fan, TW, the the way he was approaching this match, he was he was basically on the defense. He was countering. He was a counter maneuver Shark wrestler here. Yeah, Shark and Bay, whatever, say. What say you about the match itself, the way it was approached, the way they did it?
2: They did it perfect. It it was done big brother, little brother, almost Bruno putting his hand on him and Larry (laughs) Sambisco doing the old, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. And that led to the frustration, and he kicked that referee's ass, man. He tossed that referee (laughs) out of the ring. And then led to the stiffest chairs. They're like a folding wooden chair from Tiger Stadium, man. Like mm. the kind of solid oak. And mm-hmm. hitting them with the top of it and, and Bruno's last bump was like he was legit knocked out when he hit when he got hit and hit the mat. But no, it was it was it was they worked, man. That's the best thing I can say. It wasn't it wasn't steamboat savage WrestleMania 3 for sure, but it was it worked. Uh biggest problem I had with it is four guys, four legs. Zero knee pads. I just I couldn't get past. It. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to see those ashy knees from Bruno or Larry. Sorry, couple of, couple of grandpas going at it. But I will say Larry actually stood out. Like Larry came across this very piperish here. Uh, the the mm-hmm. look, the build, minus the knee pads. Um, and I could see Larry being a star. Like my introduction to Larry is fifty years old winning the AWA world title finally right and. And mm-hmm. and uh, feuding with Kurt Hennig, and then going to uh as the Enforcers. But he he always just looked like an old man to me. But here he's young, and right. He he got David Cassidy hair in
1: 1980. That's a good thing, right? So, but I so, I think oh I Lord now 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 right. you're making Larry Sabisco. Now I'm thinking Tiger Pete, Larry Sabisco, right right, right, right. lying down know, on the rug.
2: But we we all know, and this has been seniors, so maybe not. We all know when a guy doesn't get over as a baby face like that, they tend to turn them heel because mm-hmm. they got to get some heat out of them. That's what happened with the rock. It's what happened with Kurt Angle, which I think was the plan all along. But, um, mm-hmm. but when, when I'm watching it, it's like, um, I think you, you've said it, they, they harped on the fact that he was also from Pittsburgh. They harped on the fact that I think he started calling himself the real living legend or whatever, by the time they did the cage match. Um, mm-hmm. and so, it was it was like we our entire life, Vince was looking for the next Hulk Hogan. It was Luger, it was Sid, it was the Ultimate Warrior, it was whoever, until he finally went smaller with Macho Man, Brett Sean, and gave up on finding another Hogan. I think, again, this is 17 years after his first world title win in 63. He's part-timing, he's trying to pass the torch. It's not working because people aren't going to get past Bruno, and the logic is probably if Larry beats him, then the torch passed, like Warrior beating Hogan, right? Except it backfired, because mm-hmm. people still liked him, so in this case, they had to turn on heel, and whatever happens happens, we'll get to that, but I don't think Larry had the same persona, and I think that was what the problem was. Larry right. always came across as condescending and, and uppity, whereas Bruno mm-hmm. was dusty. He was the common man. He was son of a plumber, son of an immigrant, uh, come to the country and learn the language, all that, and and it was a different time back then than, than whenever. But yeah. I would say Bruno was more of a Dusty without the charisma,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: he had it in respect. He didn't need charisma. He had respect. And I think right. Larry, like a lot of guys, is just a better heel than a baby face, and that's why he had to go. But he, he definitely looked the part here. He looked in shape. He looked young. He looked vibrant. And he looked the kind of guy who would side-eye his mentor like, I want what he
1: has. you know? And So all of it works. I, I look at it this way too because Larry Sabisco was David San Martino before David San Martino like was with his father at WrestleMania 1. Actually, right. if he kept, if he was like like you said the little brother to Bruno San Martino, he was going to be treated like David San Martino. And he had to break away from that stigma of being Bruno's boy. So he didn't want to get any favoritism because being associated with Bruno San Martino. He wanted to tread his own way. And what a way, what a statement to tread by, you know, smacking him with that chair and making the living legend Bruno San Martino bleed. And he's a part-timer, a part-timer bleeding like this, TW. Bruno, de, you know, say what you will about Bruno, but even for this part-time stuff that he's doing here, he's giving it his all. So whatever he's doing, he's going full throttle here. Birds so of not, energy, lots, right. lots of uh, gumption. Yeah. So now we get those weekly promos, and Bruno is pissed off. And, you know, now it's not about I respect Larry Sabisco. Now I have to teach this man, this young boy a lesson. He's got one more lesson to learn. He, He's got one more lesson to learn. And, and now, T.W., before we get into the second match from the historic, the world-famous Madison Square Garden. This is before the cage match, T.W., so I just want you to focus on that. Now, this, <laughs> time, the added, this time the perception changes because now it's not an exhibition. Now this is a, now this is a full-blown rivalry here. So now let's look at it from a fan's perspective. Now, Larry Sabisco, that chair shot. That loss, that you know, te- technically he lost to le- to Bruno Martino in a quote unquote exhibition match, but right. in terms of booking, this man became an overnight main eventer. Agree, disagree? You have a different take. Absolutely, he got the rub, but he just got it as the heel, not as the face.
2: And mm-hmm. and I think, but I think he leaves right after this feud's over. It's
1: well, I don't, I don't. Again, I don't know when he left. I know eighty he got, he probably ends late eighty, almost eighty one. And I think 82, 83, he's AWA. Well, I, th- I think maybe 83, he's AWA. I think 82, he probably was toiling around in the Carolinas. You know, he was doing, the, his, he was doing his duties, so to speak. Nice. So let, let's go in this way. Like, you remember Larry Sabisco as the AWA heavyweight champion. You remember Larry Sabisco as the, cr- as the crusher from WCW with Arn Anderson. Now... Is that what they call this- him, crusher? It's either the cruncher or the crusher. So e- either way. It works. Cruncher, because he slammed the dude's arm in the door. Yeah, he, he broke bones. So let, let's look Bone at it from crusher. a let, let's look at it from that standpoint, TW. Like he's being the young boy here turning into the heel. He's maturing in front of our very eyes. Because from one month to the next month, from you know, when you mess with Bruno, right? You know, he's not the crusher. He's not he's the real living legend. Everybody was cheering for, you know, everybody was cheering Larry Sabisco because of the rub from Bruno San Martino. But that first Madison Square Garden match after all this, and he was booed out the damn building like riots were going You know, the Italian Mafia was going to put a hit out of on Larry Sabisco, T.W. That's great heat right there. He, he did his job, and, you know, Vince McMahon Sr. and maybe Vince McMahon Jr. had to take a full advantage of it. And the funny thing, T- T.W., This is not for the title. Like you said, it is for pride, but I almost have to, you know, I don't want to digress away a little bit, but remember who the champion is in 1980. It's Bob Backlund, the all-American boy. And, you know, there's been, Larry Sabesco even said in kayfabe commentaries that Bob Backlund wasn't doing that well, even as heavyweight champion, even though he had a six-year run, he wasn't selling out. So these attraction matches like Bruno and Larry are doing is overshadowing the the reign of bob back what say you because then his sixth you know that that title reign is being overshadowed by this rival, this blood feud here or what's going to turn into a blood feud what say you welcome welcome to cm punk's world john Cena. <laughs> um
2: by the way he went through the nwa in 1981 so 83 so he did he, he well the, like the i said the, the cat he's and he's mm-hmm. not there much longer after that which I, I read he was there earlier and then came back He left Mm -hmm. in 1981 at three Oh, he feuded with David on the independent circuit. Um, But, but, no, it's definitely... uh, I mean, Bruno's going to... Are you asking me, should they not do this to a guy who's champion? Maybe just put the belt on Larry or put it on... No, no,
1: I'm not saying should they or shouldn't they. I'm just saying what is your perception? Because, like I said, this attraction match is overshadowing what Bob Backlund's job is supposed to be, being the main eventer. This match probably... I think it's helping...
2: Bob Backman because when they put these matches on there, they sell out when they don't. They don't. <laughs> I get you. I mean, so I would say our version of this is, is why Ricky Steamboat was no longer in the WWE, because WrestleMania three, him and Macho Man stole the show, which started a long line of IC title matches, outshining world title matches, whether they were main events or not. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, I think Tag Team Wrestling did that for a while, too, and maybe that's why it got back Bernard, because people were popping for these tag team matches, Bulldogs and Hard foundation, killer bees and Hard foundation, even beefcake and Valentine were having great matches. So I think, I think if I'm Bob Backlund and and from everything I see and hear about that guy, I think he's grateful for because he's probably why he was champion. As long as he was is because there was a Bruno on the undercard or there was someone else who could, and Bruno knew you couldn't put Mm -hmm. the belt back on him because putting the belt back on him sets back the business and the search for the next guy. Back, however many years, because you just gave up after six or eight years with Backlund. So you you can't you can't. I I think a lot of guys put a lot of stock in belts who shouldn't. It's it's one of the things that I hate about the IWC. It's it's one of the things I hate about people like CM Punk. The belt does not make you the best. I mean, I, would you say Jake the Snake Roberts is in the conversa- isn't in the conversation for one of the greatest heels of all time? The guy never had any belts. He didn't need them. But
1: well, he had belts in. He had belts in the other in I'm the Carolinas. i talking
2: about WWF. Talking okay. About NWA, WCW. This dude did not need a belt. Um, Lex Luger never had a belt in WWE. I would say that we would say he was prominently pushed. I actually thought we did a show where I found out Luger was tag chance with Bulldog, but I looked it up and he mm-hmm. wasn't. He never. never had a belt in WWF, but he was always mm-hmm. in the picture. Um, Ray mm-hmm. Ramon was IC champion. That's it. Maybe he was tag champ with one, two, three, kid, I can't remember. But no. he, he so that's it. But he didn't need a belt. He's still one of the greatest ever and still one of the biggest pops. I think Shamrock was IC champion, but never anything else. Um that, these guys, it. these guys popped crowds. They didn't need belts. Bruno didn't need the belt for his ego. No. He didn't need it to put people in the seat. So I think I think what you get is you got Bruno and, and Zimbisco having a smash mouth match. And then you got Backlund for the other people who rather watch a clinic. You got him having a hmm. submission or, you know, arm bars and, and leg whips and stuff like
1: that. The, alter- the alternative know. to right. what you need out there.
2: Like, like when Nitro had the cruiserweights, when people were sick of the NWO, they tuned in for that.
1: All right, so now let's get to the second match in this Greatest Rivalries Edition. This is from March of 1980. So now we're getting, you know, let's say two and a half, three months into this. I don't want to call it a blood feud, but but again, we judging it from the first exhibition match, and it turned into blood because Bruno uh, bled. It's a blood feud in the in the opinion of the professor. So March of 1980, Madison Square Garden, TW. This is not an exhibition match. So let's look at it from this standpoint. And and the funny thing I'll take away from this match is the winner by disqualification, Reflectionites, was the real living legend, Larry Sabisco. So again, they want to, you know, keep perpetuating this storyline, TW. So you already know that, you know, the weeks, the the Saturdays of of interviews between Larry Sabisco and and Bruno San Martino are gonna go back and forth but looking at this match TW, Bruno with the with the disco fro, he looked like disco stew from uh The Simpsons, if anybody really wants to Google that picture, but it wasn't an orange hair, it was black, but that's number one. But number two, Bruno <laughs> was uh represented by Arnold Scullen, one of the uh I wouldn't say the greatest managers of WWF history because people don't even put him on the top, you know, top five. But he (laughs) he did manage consecutive heavyweight champions for the past 17 years. He had Bob Backlund in his back pocket. And, of course, he had Bruno San Martino. But, T.W., let's talk about this match here. Bruno loses by disqualification. Larry Sabisco now plays the psychological game as the heel. And now we're seeing what the living legend Larry Sabisco's capabilities are. You know, he antagonizes Bruno San Martino. He agitates Bruno San Martino. He makes him he he doesn't he makes Bruno doesn't, you know, get off his game, so to speak. And it forces Bruno to do other things that he's not that people are not prone to seeing Bruno do. And of course, he beats the shit out of Larry Sabisco. And Bruno <laughs> wasn't even mad that he lost. He just wanted to get a piece of Larry Sabisco. So what say you taking a, what you took away from the second match of this blood feud.
2: The second match was a clinic. It was He was doing Arm Drag City, and, and
1: this is one that blew me away. Oh, wait. T.W., T-W wait. There is a T-W. bumping machine. Oh, hold up. Just hold your thought. But the obvious, I want to give you a picture reflection, because Madison Square Garden and the WWF in 1980 is not the same that you know now. It was dark and dingy. If you looked at this match, T.W., the production, you know, because Kevin. Does,
2: boxing matches.
1: This was yes, that's what I wanted to put. It. it was like the old boxing matches. This was supposedly real sport. The New York State Athletic Commission and all that stuff. So go ahead, T.D. I'm sorry to, to interrupt you there. I just wanted to give the ambiance. He did.
2: He did classic spots in 1980 that I would do in 1994 that people still do in 2021, where the heel gets outshined in the beginning of the match. Any which way Zimbisco came, he took an arm drag. And then when he reversed something, Bruno was behind him and gave him the tackle or the, the whatever takedown, uh, the, yeah, the takedown, take, the take from behind takedown. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it was a clinic until Larry got frustrated and went and did heel tech, like, you know, cutting him off with the knee or whatever. Um, but it was good. And I don't, I, the match ended, I'll be honest, this is the first one I fell asleep watching. Cause it was a long <laughs> one. Uh, i seen Larry in the ropes and then Bruno losing his shit because the match mm-hmm. was declared over. He's like, what do you mean it's over? So why did he get disqualified?
1: Because he didn't let him go from the ropes because uh, Larry kept that's playing. That's
2: the only time in the history of the business someone that didn't do the five count and got disqualified. Right.
1: He, Other he, than he, a submission hold. It was the five count and it was the disqualification and, and, and the frustration that, that showed from Bruno because he wanted to get his hands on the pupil Larry and Sabisco here. We need that win for Larry for the rubber match. Right. So, well, th- th- does the first one really count? I mean, well, again, in the record books, th- that's what I, I love, love the, about the olden days. Tibassi Dustin is what I thought it was going to be like, you got to beat me in 10 minutes or we didn't have a match. But uh but, nope. you know what but, but saying that, that would have been if Bruno was a heel. Bruno probably right. would have said, if he was trying to teach the young upstart Larry Sabisco in that light, he would have said that as a heel right. uh, character, saying you got to beat me in 10 minutes to be validated. But the, the, the ambiance of Madison Square Garden and the ambiance of Vince McMahon Jr. commentating this match, how did it feel to you seeing that from that aspect? Like, it felt like a real, like, a, like you said, it was like a boxing match. It was like an Ali match in, at the Garden. What's say you?
2: I found it weird that Vince and Bruno, I forgot to bring this up in the first promo, uh, got the two-for-one sale on the yellow jackets. Well, of course. Well, it, it was <laughs> gold. Vince wore it every time after that. Every time they showed him, he had a skinny microphone, the side part, and the damn yellow jacket. Like, he
1: won the damn, uh, what do you call him, a jig? Um, he wasn't, he wasn't the genetic jackhammer that you're used to in the 90s. So, you know, this was pre steroids and all that stuff. This was pre everything because he did not have ownership of the WWWF because his father was still in ownership of WWF until he sold it to his son in 1982. So I'm just getting all the logistics out of the way. Now, TW, like you said, Bruno gave him the rub, not once, but twice. The first time he let him bleed, he, he allowed himself to bleed to make a, for Larry Sabisco to make a statement in match one. Agree or disagree? Right. Agree. So now, so now match two, he gets the legitimate victory over the living legend Bruno San Martino, the man who sold out the Garden Reflectionites a hundred times in a row. So now, again, forget about knowing what you know now, you know. You knew that he left the, you know, the WWF in nineteen eight, you know, after nineteen eighty, he's in the NWA and all that stuff. But what does this do for the aftermath? What does this do for the fans to say, well, Larry Sabisco is a main man. He's he's going to go somewhere and become a heavyweight champion. Agree or disagree, or you have a different take? I don't know if fans
2: realize when people left, they went somewhere else back then. <laughs> I think I think where's Larry? That's mm-hmm. that's what I think they did. But I mean, his win wasn't really a win. It was like. He got his ass beat too bad. So, mm-hmm. um, but, and, and the other, the other man, the third one, mm-hmm. the IWCYW, like, oh, they buried him, dog. <laughs>
1: oh, are you doing that to Larry like that? Speaking of that match, <laughs> let's go into the main event, the penultimate, the payoff, showdown at the Shea, August 9th, nineteen eighty. In front of, I believe, 40,000 people at Shea Stadium, TW. This was, if not the main event, it was at least close to being the main event. Inside that A-B- was Hogan Andre, that one? Yeah, that, mm-hmm, that was Hogan Andre. I
2: knew there was something else there the same night. I was thinking Rick Martel and Stan Hansen, but that was AW. He broke his back.
1: No, no, that, that was Hogan Andre at, the, at Showdown at the Shea, but this was, I, I believe, one of, if not a double main event, Because I don't think Hogan and Andre even closed the show, too. so It was kind of in the middle. One of the opening,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it was like this This was the closing here in front of 40,000-plus fans in Queens at the toilet that is known as Shea Stadium, TW.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm being honest.
1: Did Big Ray get you to say that? No, no, I'm being honest. Shea Stadium was a toilet. If you was comparing to Yankee Stadium in 1980 and Shea Stadium, Yankee Stadium beat Shea Stadium's ass. Cause that place was a toilet, but I went there. I went there a couple of times. But anyway, neither here nor there. T W. We're not talking about stadiums that are toilets because maybe you know some places in Michigan are toilets too. But you went there Tiger and, and you, yeah. Tiger, Tiger Stadium was more revered. It was more nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. Because it was a fucking hundred years old. It had a trough for a toilet. Dudes okay, so line
2: up and piss in a trough. Hey, man, nice wet, nice wiener. You shouldn't even have
1: your own toilet. Boston did that too. They had a trough for for pissing too. But anyway. I think they still do. Well, you know it's the same place. You think they remodeled the toilets? They just They have to remodel the they have to renovate the bathrooms. But anyway, neither here no there. We're not talking about baseball weird. We're talking about wrestling TW. The steel cage match. Now, again, the old times, the olden days, a steel cage represented the end. Of a feud. So this is August of 1980. Everything started from January of 1980. T.W. So this is a seventh month, seven month feud. So they did the Madison Square Gardens. They did the Boston Gardens. They did the Baltimore. So this was a successful money making feud. So let's talk about this here. The ambiance here. Now Bruno in a cage. You know. He's, he had a couple of cage matches in his career. And you know. Like Stan Hansen, superstar Billy Graham, Killer Kowalski, Bruno's had Koloff. some, you know, Ivan Koloff. I think he had him in the cage too. So I, I can't remember everybody here who played that
2: for me after the other one ended. It went to that one. Oh, it did. Okay, so he Bruno's had
1: champ. Bruno had some cage matches, so he's not a he's not a he's not a virgin to cage matches. TW. So, but I think you know I'm looking at it from a 2020 wonder eyes. TW. Bruno don't doesn't belong in the cage because he, even though he's a guy from a Italy, he, he's supposed to have that natural Italian aggression. I don't know does, does he does he fit the moniker of a man that's supposed to be in like a Dusty Rhodes in a cage match? You know, I don't think it fits him. I don't. I'm just looking at it. maybe it it's doesn't, my, it doesn't fit him. And and there's a couple things here. Like this is the
2: stupid type of cage match. Like I'm not the first guy to say this, but I've said it on here before. Two guys hate each other so much that they're in a cage, so one of them can't run. But how do you win by running? <laughs> so, in this aspect, NWA cage matches were always better because it was to have a the definitive victory. Yeah, you had, a it had the referee submission, and the cage door in this damn cage is like a damn doggy door. It's like you got a duck to walk mm-hmm. out of it. Versus the WWE, it's the full height of a human doorway. You know, a human being that can mm-hmm. fit under a doorway. Um, so it's just, it's weird, but I think what it is, the, the, I think they're telling you that the feud, the hatred between these two has reached a point where they want to hurt each other in this cage and boy, Mm -hmm. do they. Um, but I, Bruno took a cheap way out on one thing. And and the other thing is, well, I'll just say it, uh, Zimbisco have taken a header into the cage about 17 times before Mm -hmm. finally bleeding. And Bruno bled from the arm. (laughs) Like, are you afraid to hurt your pretty face? Have you seen your hair, pal?
1: He he supposedly sold that he raked the arms, you know, to make the the cage very dangerous.
2: Right. Yet it took 17 headshots, And it looked like Zabisco was gigging every time he took a bump, but he just didn't bleed. And then finally he's bleeding at the end. And it was 36,295 fans there, by the way,
1: at the Shea Stadium. Oh, okay, well, I, I know it was like loud.
2: Forty, mm-hmm. so you it's
1: rounding up thirty
2: five. That's good. I did
1: the I did the I did the Meltzer Adam uh, Adams. Up, add <laughs> that's what I did. I rounded up like Meltzer would, would say would would accuse the professor of doing. So yeah, that's why I I looked at this cage match and again the, the, this is the trappings of like I said this is not a five star cage match that we're used to. This is not the new. This is not the New Day against the Usos. This is not even Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff because that was a better cage match than this one. But, you know, like you said, yeah, that was the tie one, the one where they both their feet.
2: I'll bet you that was the day Vince McMahon knew he could trust Paul Orndorff because all Paul Orndorff has to do is jump off of that thing, and he's champ.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You think if he knew he would never win a world title, he'd have been like, fuck, I should have jumped. Well, it wasn't live, so they could have edited it maybe that, that's what they did.
2: Oh, they could have rockered him.
1: Yeah, they could have rockered him. And because there's there's no internet there to say well Orndorff was the heavyweight champion and Orndorff won. But anyway, TW, you're right that, you know, all it was was Bruno, you know, taking him in head head first into the cage. I'm I'm I guess I'm getting into the semantics of wrestling, but I was I'm kind of bored. I don't know. I'm am, am oh, I right wrong. This was absolutely – But boring. it's violent. But it's violent. It's like two – And – It shouldn't be
2: about headlocks and arm bars. And Need him. Right. He mm-hmm. kicked him and need him. Like, he, it was like he was trying to hurt him, and that was the sell. He even said in the second one, he kept his cool until the match. He goes, oh, I'm going to keep it together until the match, and then you're going to see what you did and realize you made a mistake. And then he went out there, got all aggressive with him, throwing arm drags at him, put on a clinic, and then mm-hmm. lost his shit and, and made, made him lose by the vacation, because he was just beating the hell out of him. And then his cage was just more the same. only right. But it's just, are we going to go to the finish? Because the finish is the worst part of all for, for Larry. Yeah, go to the finish.
1: Talk he about takes,
2: it. He takes, like, an attempt at taking a Mr. Perfect bump before Mr. Perfect gets all hung up in the ropes and bumps inside the ring. So I think he was trying to get tied up in the ropes. And Bruno just mm-hmm. walks to the door turns around and gives the old stone cold double bird without giving the double bird like, I'm fucking done with you. And the crowd goes bananas and he just backs out of the cage and Larry's just standing there watching him like, i got my ass kicked. Then Larry Mm -hmm. comes out of the cage and then Bruno gives him some more of an ass whipping on the floor. And it's like, oh. So to me, it felt like the send-off. It felt like Adam Cole tapping out to Kyle O'Reilly with one hand tied behind his back with a handcuff to the rope, just like, yep, Adam's gone. The second I saw that I
1: knew Adam Cole was leaving. There was no mm-hmm. doubt in my mind. When you tap out to one arm man, you're done. Yeah. So then, logistically here, Bruno wins. You know, the hero of New York, the hero of the East Coast, the hero of WWF, and all that history is there. It's preserved. Larry Sabisco has no choice because he he doesn't have that like uh, that heel. Pr- I don't want to call it heel heat, but that, that heel protection like Roddy Piper, because he never defeated Hogan cleanly, you know what I mean? But he could stay in the, in the WWF and have programs than anybody else. It just would have been like a – it would have been a letdown for Larry Sabisco to even stay in the WWF because he couldn't beat the, the teacher. So, you know, you could have a program with Bob Backlund, but everybody would be like, you couldn't beat your, old, your own protege, Bruno San He was stuck. It was like, it was a rock and a hard place in the professor's opinion. He had to go to Especially
2: since he wanted to quit in the first place because he wanted
1: to prove that he wasn't number two, and Mm -hmm. he didn't. Right. So, that that to me said a lot with this match because, again, like you said, the IWC, YWC would have buried Larry Sabiscus. Like, he's got nothing to do here. Go to NWA. Go to AWA. Go to AEW. (laughs) Oh, well, Tony Khan is not he, he's still a sperm at this point. So he's not even born yet. So you don't have to worry about going to AEW Larry Sabisco. But anyway, neither here nor there. But Larry Sabisco before we close out TW of, the, of this rivalries edition He had no choice but to to venture to to the other territories because from there Like you said, nobody has cable TV where they knew what happened in New York or st- right. Unless you read the aftermax. So all he could lie his ass off on NWA television saying, I injured Bruno San Martino. And in AWA he actually did. He kept lying, you know, calling himself, I took out Bruno San Martino. He didn't take out Bruno San Martino. He fucked him up. He, he injured him. He bloodied him. But he never took out Bruno San Martino. But that lie stood stuck with him until he retired. What's ATW as we close out this rivalry edition? That's good heel heat to
2: say that you did something that you didn't do. You know? Mm-hmm. you know? Right. Or saying I didn't do something that they got you on video doing. You know, that wasn't me. That was uh, no, not me. It was CGI. But you know, it's heel heat. Like you can't do that as a baby face. You can't run around going, I'm the guy that t- beat Bruno when you didn't beat Bruno. So I like it. It's heel heat. And it's it's you could tell when he went to the Hall of Fame induction. Mm-hmm. That was the best year of his career. That that feud nothing he did before or after. He might tell you it was the AW world champion, but we both know that came way too late. He should have been champion before Bockenwinkle's and Winkle's old ass got it back. Um, but mm-hmm. he got it when he got it, you know, God bless him. He, he lost it to perfect or the Lawler. Yeah. Uh, no,
1: no, he, was, he was no he was the last recognized AWA champion. He lost it. Oh, he it got to, it
2: after. After. That's what yeah. he told me that last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for sure way too late. That's right, because Perfect got it from Bach and Will. Bakkenwil with the double turn. Mm-hmm. He won not the roll of coins and turn heel, and Bach and will turn right. face, which is dumb, but whatever. Um, but again, they had their pulse on the crowd, and maybe Mr. Perfect was not being cheered the way they wanted him to be cheered, uh, or they just stuck in that, we need a heel champion for the chase mentality that the NWA had. But um, I, I just, I got no, I think uh, again, Larry's Hall of Fame speech to hear him talk about Bruno, it's endearing. It's, you know, and for him, I would say that feud he couldn't help but pinch himself, right? Like Mm if the story's true that he was a little kid in the neighborhood seeing Bruno cut his grass and was like, hey, hey, how do I get into business? And now here he is selling out Shea Stadium with him. That's Shawn Michaels fucking Horatio, whatever the hell his guy was, versus Bret Hart. Uh, the kid just mm-hmm. fulfilled dream, like that's the that's boyhood dream come the boyhood true. That dream, he...
1: mm-hmm. you
2: know, and and again, it sucks that he didn't get his AWA world title until he was sixty. But you know, whatever. And then he goes, uh "I remember when he went to the NWA as a commentator. AWA was still around on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I knew it was done. And when I saw him there, I'm like, what the fuck is? Did Larry desert the AWA? Because I like the AWA, right? Even mm-hmm. though. Now we know the ball the wheels were falling off the bus. I didn't know it then. I right. watched it as much as I could. I loved Paul Diamond. I loved Tanaka, I loved the rockers. I love Scott Hall, Kurt Hennig. I love Brunzel and Ganya, which should have tipped me off that it was old because Brunzel was a killer bee at that point. so but like I enjoyed it while the uh, hog and and Scott Irwin or Scott Hog Irwin and wild Bill the irwin the uh the what was that one tag team? The hangman. They wore black masks. And the Texas masks. hangman. The Texas hangman. I lo- I really enjoyed the AWA. And then all of a sudden, there's Larry doing commentating. And I remember thinking, what the fuck? Why is he commentating? Why isn't he wrestling? Because I don't realize that the stuff I'm watching is probably recorded a year and a half ago. And I don't know the plug has been pulled. But mm-hmm. So what you're telling me, if he's the last recognized AWA world champion, then he went down with the ship. And yeah. that's to be commended. So... I think I think he probably think Vern took better care of him
1: than Vince did. Seemingly. Well, he he dated um, he dated Ganya's daughter, so that's why he was. Well, there lo- you go.
2: Well, there. That's what leads to a lot of bad decisions. But, mm-hmm. um, but look at Bischoff. Bischoff was a damn like some kind of ad guy for AWA, and then they like, look, you're good looking. We need you to commentate today because their mm-hmm. commentator didn't make it in. It was probably like Ken. What's the guy used to. He was WWE too. Kenny. Uh,
1: so you're it. going every which way instead of just talking about Larry.
2: No, I'm talking about Larry. Like Larry got his break from doing all this stuff, and he he made the mistake of banging the owner's daughter, and then he stuck there. That's probably that why wasn't he a fell
1: mi- that wasn't a mistake. He got him the it's title. A
2: mistake, it's a mistake in that he probably would have went back to the WWE at some point if he wasn't doing that. Uh, like you don't leave. You don't leave Well, he was. I guess. Business. Well, he was loyal like, to the can't cause. Be going to the WWE was because everyone knew world-class was on its
1: last leg, and mm-hmm.
2: Fritz is probably like, dude, you got to go there before they don't want us. Take your ass
1: up there. Well, let's put a, let's put a bow on this. Larry Gained. Ken Daniels? Ken. No, Ken. Who? Ken, the damn, he used to be the
2: WWE interview guy. Ken something. Ken Resnick. Ken Resnick with the mustache, one Yes. Woman yes.
1: And he got rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Ken Resnick, he was AWA. Yes, he, yes, he was. He, he did he did double duty. He did WWF at the same time too. So anyway, Larry gained Larry gained from this feud because he can go to NWA and w, and uh, AWA and just say he took out Bruno. Bruno did not gain nothing from this feud logistically because it, it was just he just the lost a no, buddy. He lost a buddy. But, you know, it was nothing, because after this feud, you know, he did more part-time, he did more commentary, and then, of course, we know that he, he had some disdain for Vince McMahon Jr., and then we we don't have to talk about the steroid trials, the, the Pat Patterson but, buddy shit, we don't have to talk about all that, but he was... You know, he was disenchanted with WWF by the time it was 1987, and then it took a long-ass time before he got inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame in 2013 when the professor was there. So anyway, we are closing out this special edition of the Pro Wrestling Rivalries here at the PWS Networks at Pobbeam.com. And, you know... We're going to we'll probably take a week off because T.W. is going to be on the road. Maybe he might have his his Bluetooth. He might have an iPod or whatever, but we don't know yet. But we're just going to play it safe. It's a 50-50 toss-up. Will, will, will we be recording next week? I don't know. But T.W., let's see, they're already calling him. The grinder date is <laughs> ready for him right now to go on the road to get his butt uh fixated. But anyway, neither here nor there. hold. Yes. But anyway, T.W., give out those social media so we can get out of here and you can get out of here and get on the road. All right. So I meant to ask you this before.
2: We were on the you mentioned it earlier, the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network, Mm -hmm. um, which is at Podbean dot com is where they find that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know if you were telling me P.W.C. Network at Podbean dot com was an email. I didn't know what you were telling me, but I wrote that. So the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network. You can find that at uh, podbean.com. Then we have our Twitter handles at PW Reflection. Um, our good man JB, who's still missing, he asked us when we're doing another movie one. I guess that's some interest. He, he asked us that through Morris Code at um, the P1JB. Uh, our good man Big Ray can't do this without him. T- I've I got to say this. He makes the best pictures for our posts. And he always sends them to us with such like, is this good enough? Like, like he thinks we're going to reject them. And then finally today you did. And you're like, move the cage. And I'm like, oh, you just broke his heart. I know it. But, but Ray, you do an outstanding job. Um, his is I just act, I just his... asked reque- I only asked the request. Uh, I, know that, I, I know that, but you know what I'm talking about. Every yeah. time he goes, this is this good enough? Like he's afraid we're going to be disappointed. They're no, awesome. hell no. He's even improved on some without us even saying it needs improvement. He's like, no, no, no. I fixed it and I did this. You know, maybe one time I told him or you told him the words you couldn't read them because the color of the word wasn't wasn't working mm-hmm. with the background. Um, and he fixed that in seconds but uh, he does such an awesome job of, of doing the collages and all that stuff um, and then me at Tommy Wonder 19 for the political one and I've been blurring the lines and getting into it with people with my at the Tommy Wonder one I don't mean to but when I see links and I go there I don't realize which one I'm signed into and i just been going at it with anybody at all times because people are idiots so at Tommy Wonder 19 or at the Tommy Wonder for Twitter Snapchat's number wonder uh, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder and I just came off 30 day ban,
1: so I'm back like Eric Bischoff back in black um, and then hide your wives hide, 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 hide your kids hide your wives he's big back Vito on Facebook brand,
2: uh, thanks to them at the big veto brand W I X S I T E and Patreon.com backslash the big veto brand and then of course the dumb dumb jewel and an idiot and an idiot on YouTube that's Dum dumb jewel and sign an idiot it, um, and we have been pumping these videos out lately, and we're part of the, the extreme team, and if we put that hashtag on there, it takes you to the YouTube thing, so it's pretty cool. Um, we're doing more dumb ones, I guess, like just punishing our stomachs and getting fatter, but also some heat, um, so just look out for the videos. Like, like, share, subscribe, baby!
1: That, that's all you need, just get, get, get some subscribers, and then enjoy them almost throwing up on shit. But anyway, neither like here nor there. Yeah. So you can find me on my Twitter at PW Hustle PRF. That's PW Hustle Prof. You probably will find this not only on Twitch, but you can probably find this on the PW Hustle Networks on the YouTubes. And follow my guys, my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine, the man with the documents at OB One, you know me. And of course, 8-Track Brown at 8-Track Dashley. Again, I don't know, 50-50 toss-up next week that we might be doing something, but TW is going on the road right now as we speak. The grinder date, he's calling him right now. He's he's got the KY he's got the KY jelly ready to go. But anyway, neither here nor there. He's NXT for life, but that NXT is dead. That's no more. But anyway, I'm the professor. That is Johnny Mr. Dum Dum That's Mr. Dum Dum Duo, the Iron Stomach one TW saying good night, goodbye, and we will see you maybe next week or maybe the week after that. See you next time, Reflectionites. Peace!